At what point am I going to be perfect yet? Nah, <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't uh, tell you guys that I've reached it, but actually the, the, more I, the, more I, the longer I'm there, the longer I, I live, the closer I get to Jesus, I realize, wow, how much I'm, I'm lacking. I'm still a sinner. I'm still, I still need Jesus so much. Um, even more now, it feels like, than, than I did before. It's just because I see how, how sinful I am. So that, that gives us hope, right? It's like, wow, even though uh, we are sinful in this way, God still uses us, and God still blesses us, and God uh, continues to work with us, and that's pretty amazing. Um, I would like to ask for you to accompany me in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And before, as, as you guys are looking for it in your Bibles, I'm going to pray. Lord, I just pray for this time and pray for this message. I pray that you would just teach, teach us, teach us all to how do we fulfill this great commission that you've given us? How do we do what you say? How do we follow you today in upstate, in the Finger Lakes, Lord? How do, you, how do we share with people in our lives that they may get to know you more, Jesus? pray that you would uh, answer these questions in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Difference Makers is the kind of title. But we might be thinking, how can, how can I be a part of this Great Commission? I don't know if the, the verse is on the screen. Or uh, you can see it in your, in your pamphlets about the Great Commission. Like, what is Jesus commanding us to do today? And I'm just going to read as we are in this passage. 18 through 20. And I'm in the New King James, so if it says it a little differently, it's okay. Now, I want us to imagine us, we follow, okay, picture this. You're, you're, you're walking with Jesus. You're one of the disciples. You're walking with him three years. You're seeing him do miracles. You're seeing him teach about God. You're seeing him teach about salvation, that there's hope after death. You're hearing him. You're seeing how he loves people. You're seeing miracles, how he heals people. And you're like, this is the guy. This is the one. This is salvation. This is God. And you're, you're seeing all of this, and it comes to the point where Jesus says, all right, all right, guys, I'm, you're not listening at this point. And he says, I'm going to die, and I'm going to ri rise again. You don't listen to that. Uh, but it happens. Jesus dies. And then he rises again. And you see all of this. You, you doubt. You go through doubts. You go through all of these different emotions. Like, you're watching it happen. Put yourself in the, sa in the, in the sandals of, of Peter. And then at this point, Jesus rises again, and he says, L listen, I did it. And he shows you the marks on his hands. Listen, all those things that I said about salvation, all those things that I've taught you about God, how you can know the creator of the universe through me, through Jesus, like all of those things are true. And these are the marks that prove it, that I rose from the dead. You're seeing that. And then, he, then you're like, now what do I do with all of that, right? And that's the same thing that, that the disciples went through that we go through right now. Jesus did all of this. He's God. And now he's saying, now we're, now we're asking ourselves, what do I do now? What do I do in the Finger Lakes? What do I do in, in Seneca Falls? Like, how, how does this apply to me? And I, I pray that God will answer this question today. <laughs> um, well, we see it right here in this passage. It says, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, 
therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that low, so if you ever get on an airplane or anything, you're not low, so Jesus isn't with, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bad joke. Um, <laughs> Jesus is also with you in the airplane. <laughs> but this is, at this moment, you're with Jesus, and he, and he just ascends after this. So you hear this, you hear Jesus say all these things, and then he just disappears. It's like, <laughs> snap. He's gone. But what did he tell us to do? He said, go and make disciples. What does that mean? A disciple is someone that follows Jesus, that learns from Jesus, right? So the same way the disciples followed and learned from Jesus, in the same way that we follow and learn from Jesus, that we, we read the Bible, we, we seek this time together with other believers, we ask these questions, we learn about God. The same way that we learn from Jesus, he's saying, do that with everyone else. Go and teach that those people that you work with because he gave this job this this ministry as we see in, in, in another passage if we get there in second corinthians 5 that he gave this to us to do so it's not like we don't have anything to do we have a duty we have a mission we have a purpose in the world apart from jesus there is no purpose this is a purpose that will have an eternal impact this is a purpose that will affect and change a life. Don't we want to see that? We want to see lives change. We want to see people come to know Jesus. And we want to know Jesus more. Like, so make disciples of all the nations. Followers of Jesus. That is a disciple. A person that, that, that learns from Jesus and then, and then teaches another person to learn from Jesus. This is the mission that God has given us. But we might be asking ourselves, why do we need more disciples? Why do we need people that, that why is this a need? And being in Peru, and then I'm, I'm going to go to uh, John 3, 16, 17 and 18. 17 and 18 These are verses that are super famous. But this is, this is the need that there is in the world. Why do we need disciples? This is the reason. It says, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? In these verses, we'll see the need and we'll see the solution, the means to fulfill that need. And it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So this is saying that God didn't send Jesus, so Jesus didn't come to make us sinners, but rather we are sinners, that we are evil in the sense of our inclinations are away from God. We're, we're going to want to do the things that don't please God, but God didn't come and make us evil. We were like that. God came to save us, and that is through belief in Jesus. That is giving our lives to him. That is following him. That is wanting to please and know God. That is knowing God. That is the solution to this problem that we have. And it says in 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
okay, if this is true, things that, I, that I've seen in Peru, I, you, you see in the jungle, you see houses on top of sticks, right? And then you'll, you'll want to think, like, this is a need. This is the biggest need. We got to fulfill this need. We got to get these people on, you know, solid floors. Like, this isn't cool at all. They're on sticks. They're, their houses are on sticks. And then when the water rises, they, they the, the reason why their houses are on sticks is because when the water rises, that they don't get flooded. Like, this, we see this. This is a need. This, is, this, is, this isn't cool. But the biggest need, and here's why. You see these people, and at the same time, you see that they have a, a big old flat screen TV or a big old speaker like this where they, where they play music. Or, or you hear these stories about these families that they, even though they don't have anything, they go out and they work. And then with what they have, the husbands, they go out and they, they spend it on alcohol. And then they, they drink it all away. So you see that the, these, these sins or these problems show a deeper problem. And that deeper problem is that they don't know God. They don't know Jesus. That they are condemned already. But Jesus came to save them. Now let's think about it around here because there's needs. There's, we see these same manifestations in different ways all over the world. Like this need for Jesus, we see it in a different way. Well, in the same way really in, in South America. But we also see it here. We see, you know, drug addicts. We see, oh, but we want to think that this is the biggest problem. We want to think, oh, because this person has a, a pornography addiction, this is the biggest problem. If only they changed that, they would be better. Or maybe uh, the fact that they spend all their money on, on alcohol, we think this is the biggest problem, and it's like, wow. Or, or someone that's, that's, you know, living with their, their boyfriend or this um, guy is living with his girlfriend, and we think that's the biggest problem, then, that, then we just look at the sin. But that's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is that they need to know the Son of God. They need to know God through Jesus Christ. Because that's that, that knowing God, why? That heals the heart. That brings, restores us with God, and then God teaches us how to live. God teaches us how to uh, not spend all our money on, on alcohol and, and, and raise our family according to what God wants. Because when we are restored with God, that is what happens. So this is the biggest need, that people would know and learn about God, learn about Jesus, and that Jesus is the way to know God. Does that make sense? If it doesn't, then you talk after. <laughs> You'd be like, that didn't really make sense. I don't know where you're going with that. Okay. <laughs> You can talk after. So the need is Jesus. But how, what is my part in the kingdom? In 2 Corinthians 5, Lord, please help me with the time. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, no, 19 and 20, it says, I'm going to start in 18. Helps with the context. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is restored, being brought back to favor with God. So away from God, we're like this. We're separated. We're not, we are not at favor with God. The Bible says that we are enemies of God and are, we are condemned like we just read in John. But through Jesus Christ, we are restored. And that's what God wants to do with the whole world. And he wants to use 
us. And it says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given who? Us. The ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, so they're not counting their sins towards them, not focusing on this is the problem, like holding these sins against these people. If God doesn't hold these sins against the people, why should we? Right? But rather, he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And it says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now think about this, this way. Where we are in our work, where we are with our families, God wants us, he's using us as ambassadors, representatives. How else are the people going to learn about God if it's not through us? You know what I mean? So say we work with someone. And this person is living a, a, a uncontrolled and impure sexual life. And they're, they're, you just see it and you're just like, wow, look at this sin. What's wrong with this person? And you think, like, come on, you know. Like, why do you do this? The problem isn't that, believe me or not. The problem is not the fact that they're doing all these crazy sinful things. The problem is that person needs to know Jesus. And God has put us there. So say, say we're working, right, and we see this person. How can I get to know this person and share Jesus with them? Jesus spent time with his disciples. Jesus lived with them. He taught with them. They worked together. They, they healed people together. They served together. They spent time together. Now, Jesus himself is saying, do the same thing. Do what I did. Spend time with these people. The disciples weren't holy. The disciples weren't perfect. Disciples had, the disciples had problems. But Jesus said, with those people, with the people in your work, with the people in our, uh, that are around us, spend time with them. And I, 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 love, I love seeing this even example in my life. Like, all right, after basketball, let's go hang out with Jason Gauss. Like, that, was, that was the thing. We go, we eat food, we spend time together. That we, we knew each other. It was that time of eating food together. There may be a lot of people in your jobs right now that don't need Jesus, and instead of thinking, wow, look at the sin that they're doing, let's spend time with them this week. That would be the application. That would be, okay, what, how do I want to apply this to my life this week? I'm going to go out to cof with coffee and have coffee with this person that, that maybe their life isn't all together, but it's okay. We're all like that. This person needs Jesus, and I'm going to spend time with them, and I'm going to teach this person how God loves why? Because that's the biggest need. And that need, you can see it here in upstate. That's not a need that's just in South America. That's not a need that's just in Peru. That's a need that's everywhere. So, um, maybe application. Think about someone that is in your work area that you spend time with. Maybe the, the grocery store clerk or whatever. You go there. Think of this person. How can I show Christ to this person? How can I get to know this person and invite them and, and go out and get to know this person so that you can then share Jesus with them? And then now I'm going to invite Phil if he can come up and wrap things up. But that's, that's, that's the, the biggest need, and that's the way that we can fulfill, spending time and sharing Jesus with people.
at Jason Gass's house. <laughs> a lot of food. Uh, yeah, that's there. Philip. And just the idea of difference makers. Make a difference, right? And that's the motto here is you make a difference wherever you're at. How do you do that? Well, it is wherever you're at because you're here. And God is here. It says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will not be put to shame. So, with that, so what's the difference? The difference maker, obviously a difference needs to happen to you. And that is what Paul was describing, the difference of Jesus Christ coming into your life. Saving you from the life you lived before. But your life is different from what it was before as well. Like if I look at my testimony, the testimony is that exact thing. That story of when before I knew Jesus to when I met Jesus to now, after. Where has he brought me? Walking into freedom, freeing from addictions that I used to have, where I could not free myself. A uh, beautiful illustration of it is you don't, you don't clean yourself before you hop into a shower. No. You, you get in the shower and the shower cleans you. So Jesus cleans you. And the same thing that Paul was just talking about with you go to these people and you, oh, you see all these sins. And then it's like, no. They say, oh, I can't, if I walk into a church... Uh, it'll burn down or something like that, you know. That's how wicked I am. It's like, no. God is way more powerful than your sin. That's what it's all about. So the difference is I believe the gospel. And how does that look? How does that affect? There's two aspects of ministry that I found um, traveling uh, the United States. I'll give you a quick uh, intro to what happened at the beginning of the year. So I did the 10th hour project, and then up to a point, uh, it was around April, I came home, worked three months here. You might have seen me in the back. I would come in, listen, and then I would go to work right after. Uh, just, I need to make money. I got to work. I got to work, because I was going to go on another mission trip, uh, which is uh, from July to, this was about four months. It was a tour of the United States with the ministry that I just graduated from, the 10th hour project. So it was an Agents for Christ. So I was going to tour the United States with them. And as I was traveling, I was able to see a lot of churches because we would stop at churches. We would uh, encourage them. Sometimes it was myself and another intern. We would go to the uh, young adult groups or youth groups and stuff and encourage them with uh, just our testimonies, which is that thing, how I met Jesus and such. So we would go to these things, and the pastor would teach then also I was able to play worship some of the times. But I was able to see a lot of the church, you know, a different aspect rather than just coming in and listening and leaving to go to work or whatever. I was at a table, a bunch of Uganda crafts. We were raising support for the church in Uganda, the school in Uganda. So as I was doing this, I was able to talk and to listen to many people in the, uh, in the body of Christ just across the United States. And... There's two aspects that I found were just a blessing. One was through speaking, sharing the testimony. And this is inside the church also. This is a people in Christ that were brothers and sisters. I had no idea. And we just started talking. And then, okay, what's your testimony? And you listen. 
okay? And they would ask, what's your testimony? And they would listen, and then you just rejoice over the fact that God saved us. So as we were doing this, there was also aspects of doing where they would serve you. They would take you out to lunch. No, sorry, Dave. Jason, perfect example of taking us out to lunch and stuff. You could have that here. It's the same. Same body of Christ. We're calling out Jason a lot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so people would invite you into their homes. So the importance I really want to narrow down onto is the speaking aspect. What happened when Jesus met Andrew in the Bible in John 1? He goes, oh, I got to tell my brother. Runs to his brother. And same thing with Philip. I got to tell Nathaniel. So it's, so it's evangelism right there. Once they meet Jesus, oh, who do I got to tell? Who do I love that I want to share this with? I met the Messiah. I met hope. So you see that. It's John 141. But then you also see in Romans, Romans 10, I'm reading from the King James Version. <laughs> so it's 1014. It goes, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So this idea of it's necessary to share, to talk. It's necessary for the pastor to share every week. And it's also necessary as well to share with people around you. To have like mini sermons, preach to your friends, preach the gospel to yourself before you go out to a day of who knows how many troubles. Preach the gospel. John 3.16, we just mentioned it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Preach yourself. For God so loved the world, me, sent Jesus. And that's also a great evangelism tool as well, sharing the gospel tool. But, you see, when I was traveling, this guy, I'll give an example, I just started talking to him. He was, uh, he was serving, he was on the greeting team, so he was a very friendly guy, it was awesome. And I was watching the table, the pastor was in there preaching, I was watching the table, okay. Make sure no one stole. <laughs> but anyway, I just started talking to this guy, and... He was just sharing his testimony with me. And it was just, he's crying, I'm crying. Listen, I'm like, that's crazy. He goes, I know it's crazy. But you just see this hope, this rejoicing in him. And I hear that he, he does that with everyone. He shares his story. He just is so passionate about Jesus. So passionate about where he was before and when Jesus met him and then after. And, uh. And just encouraging. And we are able to encourage each other with our words. So that is an easy application, right? To just, oh, I can just share what Jesus has done in my life. Because it's not what I did in my life. It's what Jesus did to intervene and bring me to where I'm going to be. And then there was a doing aspect. It was people who served us through bringing us to lunch. There was, a, uh, there was this one house we went to. In Tennessee, these people, they had this awesome gift, this house, which is beautiful. We walk into it. I think I made the joke. I, first, I open the doors. I see it, these, this staircase. It's gorgeous. And I come in with my bag, boom, boom, boom. And then I see it. And I'm like, whoa, 
through an elevator as a joke. <laughs> she goes, yeah, it's over here. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, wheel this thing over there. I'm like, no way. Going there. Oh, wow. But God gave him a gift. And what are they using it for? They're using it to serve. Want to read a couple notes, but I don't think we have time to go through them all. But, so John 13, 14 through 15. If you want to turn there, I'm reading from the King James, so you might need to explain it to me. <laughs> so it goes, if I then, so this is talking about when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, serving them in a humbling way. He says, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Now, these people had these gifts, right? But it's not like, oh, you could say, this, that house is too big, you got to sell it and go to missions. But they were using it to house missionaries. And then you also wonder with our own lives, why God makes us go through different trials and different things. I don't know if many of you noticed, but my dad passed away eight, eight years ago about. And we've been in this church through the entire thing. And it was just the love we felt from this church was a gift. And that's a testimony that we have. Like why God did this happen. But an example of God using this in, in Texas there was this family, it was interesting, it was really like looking at our family eight years ago. There was nine of them, and then there's the mom, and they're all, they're raised on a farm, and they're in the church, and they're all homeschooled. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, which, uh, which one of you is 14? I don't know if there's any twins there, but whoa, did uh, your mom have a 12-pound baby? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I didn't, I didn't ask that. But anyway, 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 but they're in the exact same situation because a month or two prior, their father, their, her husband passed away. So then I shared my testimony with someone at the church because they had told me, you have to share this with someone with this family because it's identical, right? And so then, so then I share it and it's like just what I shared was just the hope after, the hope through. And that's what we have. We have hope today, hope for tomorrow, hope through the trials, even hope before the trials, the storm, when it gets hard. And we see that, one, God can use us. He uses the uniqueness in our lives of, oh, my story, it's, it's lame, God, you can't use it. But he can, and he wants to. He wants and he wants you to serve as he serves. So the things that we are given, another example, uh, I've been playing guitar for eight years. Dad, my dad taught me the first couple of chords. I haven't really been practicing, but so I should be a lot better than I am, right? But I've been practicing a little, and then as I was on the tour, God opened that. I brought two guitar picks. I'm like, I'm just going to bring these. I, don't, I didn't bring my guitar, but then... There was a guitar provided that I was able to play for, to use this gift that God has been cultivating for eight years on the mission field. So he has specific things for you. 
specific things. He wants to use you. And uh, you can see John the Baptist, the difference. Man, he's just out there in the wild. Go, he has uh, camel's hair, uh, eating honey and stuff like that. You see that. That's his calling, right? Praise God. <laughs> but then you see ours and the uniqueness of us. But yeah, that's about all I want to share. I want to pray, and then we'll call it there. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for just your heart for us, that God, you've made us unique in our own ways. That God, you love the uniqueness of our life. That you've designed us that way for a purpose. That we have hope today and we hope, have hope tomorrow. God, we rejoice in salvation and what you've done on the cross. Not in even any of the things that we can do, but that we are doing, that we have done. Lord, I ask that if there is anyone here that doesn't have that hope. That God, they would know that you love them. They would, even, even right now, we would just say a prayer. Jesus, you, you died for me. And you want my life to be better. You want to give me life. That you said you're the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through you. Lord, I ask that we could trust your word. You say anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall not be put to shame. Lord, that anyone who has questions, they would come up to us and ask. Paul and I will stand up here as well, stand on the left side, pray with people. Lord, we thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.